Welcome to the Humanity Church Podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 and give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. Now listen to you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're just a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The scriptures seem to be really confused sometimes when it talks about life. (laughs) I don't know if you've noticed that. On one hand, There's so much conversation that talks about how Jesus has come to give us life, and not just life. It talks about life abundant. It talks about eternal life. It talks about the good life. And all of this is what Jesus calls to. And then we get to this passage in James that says, what is your life? It's just a vapor. It seems really confusing. Here for a second, then gone, right? Now, now if we're going to go for this type of interpretation of life. Some of you have more vapor, right? And some of you are on the vanishing end of things, right? (laughs) And this is how the scriptures seem to talk about life in these very two juxtaposed ways. But the reality is, is that every single one of us who are here today, who are listening to this conversation, our our days are extremely limited. I'm I still consider myself young-ish, right? I, I used to get so annoyed by the phrase that, that uh, it goes by so quick. I, I used to think, that's silly. It doesn't go by so quick. I have all the time in the world, and now that I have children that are now in school, I find myself understanding this phrase more than ever. In fact, I find myself saying, please, days, stop going by so quick. Would you please slow down for just a second? And the older I get, the more I realize that I'm trying to slow down time, to slow down time with my wife, with my kids, with my community, with myself. And I realize how painfully accurate this statement is that our life is just a vapor here for a moment and then gone. See, we we get distracted in life and then we live under this illusion that our days are unlimited. And when we find ourselves there, we act and we feel and we begin to live as if we are going to live forever. We forget the fact that we're just a vapor. And I think this is one of the reasons why David in the scriptures actually says, Lord, would you teach us to number our days? Would you teach us to recognize that we don't have forever? Or at least to to count the vapor drops that we have in this existence. So there has to be some happy medium in all of this. See, on one end, it's, it's really unhealthy to be constantly aware of your mortality. 
I mean, it would, it would be horrifying to go about your days thinking, is this my last breath? Is this my last breath? Is this the moment that the vapor ends? That would be just, that would be debilitating. In fact, if you found yourself there, it, what it actually leads to is a life filled with panic. But the opposite is equally true. It's, it's unhealthy to be unaware that life is but a vapor and that it is constantly ticking and there is an end of all things. And when we find ourselves there, it leads to a life of waste. And so there has to be some middle ground that we find in this. And here's what I found gets me to that middle ground really fast, is being clear about the purpose that my vaporous life was made for. When I am crystal clear about the purpose and the mission and the engagement of all of the life that is in me, it seems like knowing why on earth I'm here quickly moves me to a place of recognizing that life is so beautiful and that life is so short, all in the same place. And usually when I ask that question, when I coach people or I'm working with people, why on earth are you here? I love hearing the answers because they're so unique and I get probably a different answer for every single person I talk to. Some people uh, answer this with the roles that they have. Well, my purpose here is to be a chef or it's to be a teacher or an artist or a healer or a helper in some way. Some people respond with their relationships that they have. My purpose here on life is to be a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister or a cousin or an aunt or uncle. Others answer that, that question with the dreams that they have. Well, my purpose here is to run a business. My purpose here is to change my community. My purpose here is to, to make an impact. And here's the thing. All of those are so beautiful, and they create a beautiful kaleidoscope of, of what humanity looks like in any ways. But all of those will shift with time. If your purpose is connected to some role that you play, larger purpose in life, those roles will eventually go away. One day you'll be unemployed, one day you'll be retired, one day you'll no longer be doing that job, but whether it's, hey, this is season has come to an end, or I no longer can physically do it, or I don't have the capacity to do it anymore. Whatever relationships you have now that are your purpose will one day either shift or end. And even the dreams that you have will either be fulfilled or not fulfilled, and then you'll be on to the next thing that you find yourself on. So I imagine that there is this deeper purpose that lives inside of all of us that is longing to be unlocked, unleashed, that is longing for us to become aware of, and that drives every single one of us. And I love that this is a primary conversation that Jesus invites us into. What is the, what is the deeper calling, longing purpose that exists inside of us that will awaken us to the, to the urgency of this life? Have you ever noticed that we as humans are always captivated by something? That we're always captivated by something. It could be a career or a role or a hobby or a dream, but, but it could also be something that you really enjoy doing, a pastime that you have. It could be a sport that you really, really enjoy watching or playing. It could be a community that you are connected by. You, you could be captivated by an emotion that you have. Some of you in this room are just captivated by fear. You're captivated by anxiety and worry. Some of you are captivated by the elation of life and you just can't wait for the next high to be on no matter what it costs, no matter what it takes. Some of you are actually captivated by never being captivated by anything. <laughs> I just refuse to have my life that passionately driven by anything and so I am captivated by the idea that I will never be captivated. You just cannot help it. You as a human being will be captivated by something. I mean, just for a moment, think of all the things that 
capture your energy, that capture the time that you have, that capture your thoughts and your emotion, that capture your pocketbook and your wallets, that capture your credit cards, that capture your children. Just think of all of the things that capture us. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I am easily captured, captivated. And I have found myself over the years being captivated by so many different things. And every single one of these things I spent tons of time and money and energy and resources on. Whether it was as a young kid learning magic and there was a whole season where I was going to be a coffee roaster. And there was another season where I was into reef aquariums. And there was another season where I was into hookah pipes and smoking meat and raising exotic animals. And I can tell you I've probably spent more money on these things that have captivated me over over the years than I would ever like to admit in any lifetime. In fact, I recently had a medical procedure done and the PA came into the room and they were starting to educate me on the procedure that was happening in the aftercare. And after the PA stopped, I said, could I also give you some other things that I know about this procedure that I could let you know about? Because if you know me, I'm a researcher. And I began telling him all these new technologies and research that had been done and new studies that have been shown. And I showed him the medical journals that I had saved on my phone. And he was just like, wow, I've never quite had a patient like you. Because <laughs> I was captivated in that moment. <laughs> and we are so easily captivated. And here's the thing. For, for this part of this conversation, what you are captivated by is actually less important than recognizing that you are captivated by something that your life is captivated by something. Because I think that that actually speaks to the core of one of our purposes as humanity, that we were actually made to be captivated by something. And a more scriptural word to use is we were actually made to worship something that you are designed to have your life infused with worship. Now, when we talk about worship, we oftentimes talk about it in the context of singing, like we just did with the band. Wasn't the band amazing this morning? <laughs> just incredible, yeah. But worship can certainly be through music, but worship is really the act of giving someone or something all of your energy all of your attention, all of your resources, all of your time, all, all of your thoughts and emotions. It is being so captivated by the object of our affection that it gets everything, including the best and the worst of you. And in Romans, Paul shares this with us about this need to be captivated. In Romans 11:23, he says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his, past, his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then he goes on to say, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, in the same way that we were made to breathe, we were made to worship. You cannot get away with it. So the question to this morning is not, are you worshiping? That is a given. The more important question is, who or what are you worshiping? Who or what 
are you captivated by? Because you will be captivated by something. And here's the thing. Whatever you are captivated by has captured your soul. It owns it. It has it in the palm of its hand, and it will hold your soul captive as long as you allow yourself to be captivated by it. And it will use every bit of your vaporous days for something. I think this is one of the reasons why why God in this passage calls us to offer our bodies as living sacrifice. Now, I get it. This reference can seem really cultish. Normally, I would tell you, if you walk into a gathering of people like this and a leader tells you, hey, today, everyone, we're having living sacrifices, I would normally advise you to run as quickly as possible out of the room. Uh, However, that's what the scriptures describe as true and good worship. That, that, That God actually, if he does have the depths of the wisdom of knowledge, if his paths are are unsearchable, in other words, his paths are so much beyond what we can see in front of us, if his generosity is unmatched, so much so that it is impossible for us to outgive him in any way, and if in him and through him and for him all things are made, then, then he might be worthy of being captured by, of being captivated by, of of bringing our whole self to in that moment to be captured by his beauty, by his greatness, by his goodness in the middle of this, that we might give him everything. That all of our energy, our attention, our focus, our resources, our emotions, our thoughts, that we may lay all of it down to the source of life. But I don't know about you, Have you ever read passages like this and thought that God is a little narcissistic? I know you're not supposed to say that in church, but it's okay to say that in church, right? I mean, mean, have you ever thought, like, when God says, I want everything, you're like, really? Because here is a God that says, I am all-powerful, right? I am all-sufficient. I am everywhere in all places. I am all-knowing. I am basically the alpha and omega, beginning and end, and I still want you as a living sacrifice, It seems a little egotistical, a little needy, right? Here in this passage, a little demanding. Why does he he need me for worship if he is this almighty, all-knowing, all-present being here in the midst of this? I mean, is he really that insecure, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read this, I'm like, oh, this is like one of those really super needy girlfriends, right, who's constantly texting you. Why haven't you texted me back? I texted you, right? Why didn't you call me? You were supposed to call me. I needed you to call me. Who are you calling? Where were you? Right? It's easy to read the passages and think, who is God in this? But here's what I found, and here's what I read in the scriptures all throughout them, is that it is not that God needs our worship in any ways. It is that we absolutely need to worship God. That there is something within us. That he comes to us and he says, you will worship something because that's how I designed you. You will be captivated by something, and something or someone will capture your soul. And if you are willing to worship me, you will be set free from the predictable and mundane life that is absolutely coming if you worship anything else besides me. See, his declaration for us to give him our bodies as a living sacrifice is an invitation into freedom. 
Have you ever found yourself stuck in a rut in life? You know what I'm talking about, right? Like you just get up and you're going through the motions and, and nothing really seems to be that exciting as it used to be. And you get up and you go to work and you come home and you eat dinner and then you watch your TV shows and then you go to bed and you do it all over again. And you just, you, you get stuck in the routine and the routine isn't actually the problem. It's that your soul just starts to feel meh, as my son said it earlier. <laughs> You know, you just, your, your life just starts to feel stuck in it, like you're just on spin cycle. And, and here's the thing that I found. When people get there, when I get there in that space, we oftentimes think that the solution is to switch up the scenery. Like, if I just switch up the scenery, somehow I'll get out of this rut. Like, how many of you ever thought, if I just go on vacation, I could get out of this, right? I mean, that's an easy one, because you can be like, oh, we're going to get away for the weekend or whatever. But how many of you ever thought, like, oh, if I just got out of this job, I could get out of this rut, Right? If I just got out of this relationship, I could get out of this rut. If I just go on a diet, then I can get out of this rut, right? And we find ourselves thinking that, that, that if I switch things up, things will change. Have you ever switched things up and found that things got worse? You know what I'm talking about, right? Because that's even extra disappointing. When you spend the grand on the vacation and you come back and you're even more tired than you were before, and now you're in the same rut but you're just tired, right? Or you switch the job with the horrible boss just to get into another job that you absolutely hate as well? Or, or you leave the marriage or you leave the relationship only to start dating or marrying someone that is the exact same person with just a different head? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It, it, we, we think that if we switch these things up, that the scenery is the issue. But what I found is that when we find ourselves in these predictable patterns where we lose our energy and we lose our passion and we lose the drive in life, it is not a scenery issue, it is a worship issue. And there's a big difference between the two of those. We find ourselves worshiping at the feet of things and people that give us a very little return on investment. And then we find ourselves giving that thing or those people all of our time and all of our energy and all of our focus and all of our resources and we get very little back on our return and it's why so many of us feel just depleted in life because we get stuck in the predictable pattern that comes with worshiping anything else see the only options that you will find when you worship or are captivated by a lesser God are very predictable. You will find yourself angry. You will find yourself depressed. You will find yourself striving for the next thing. You will find yourself frustrated, worrying, depressed. And the scriptures actually say the, the end of this is death. Not necessarily physically death, but something far worse where your soul begins to die. And you're existing but your inside is dead. And they're so predictable, right? It, it, we just know that this is the natural outcome of finding ourselves there. And when this vapor of life is over, and when it's gone, and we find ourselves without it, no one ever wants to be said of them that they lived a predictable life. No one, when they are done with this existence, want people to say, yeah, you know, they, they lived a mundane average life no one dreams of that but here's the thing when you give all of your worship to god when you lay yourself out as saying i am a living sacrifice who designed you and who designed the universe in which we live you remove yourself from the predictable mundane 
cycles of this world. And you will find yourself set free to live the unique, creative, dynamic life that you were made to live. You know, I, I spent years and years and years as a youth pastor before I ever stepped into my role as a lead pastor of a community. And I loved, I loved working with teenagers. I loved, loved, loved getting to invest in young lives at such a critical age. But one of the things that, that was just the bane of my ministry that, that irked me so often were the amount of parents that I talked to that said, oh, you know what? We're so busy right now. We just don't have time for spiritual things. We got soccer practice. We got baseball practice. We got, we got, the, we got the thing. We got dance. We got all the activities. And we just don't have time for these spiritual things right now. And, and no matter how much I talked them into recognizing, look, you have just a few moments with your children to invest in them, it didn't seem to be as captivating as being captivated by everything else that was out there. And, and no matter how many warnings I gave or how much counsel I gave, it seems like there was so much captivation outside of what Jesus wanted to do in their lives. And the, the, the thing that was actually so horrific, because it was so predictable, was when those kids went off to college, their life would crash and burn. Or they would walk away from their faith and say, that was a nice myth that my parents told me. And their parents would come back to me saying, what happened? I don't know. Was God not faithful in the middle of this? Well, what happened in between then and now? And the answer was actually quite simple and quite predictable. Is oh, you taught them to worship at the feet of a very cruel God who always returns on investment. And that investment will always lead to this natural outcome. The thing is, we're just a bunch of grown-up teenagers, right? <laughs> and we just continue on the pattern today where it's so easy to get distracted by, by everything else around us and forget that we were meant to be captivated by the God of this universe who loves us so much and longs for us to have a future worth having. Here's the thing. In many ways, I choose to worship God because I am just incredibly selfish. Anyone else selfish in the room? I mean, look, I choose to worship God because I am incredibly selfish. And here's the thing. If, if living a life of focused worship towards Jesus actually releases me from the predictable patterns of this world, it releases me from the anger and the strife and the disappointment and the, the, the patterns that lead me there, and it actually frees me to see the good, pleasing, and perfect intention of God, then I want nothing less. I refuse to worship at the feet of nothing less, or at least when I see it, my natural instinct that I desire is to always return back to who he is. I want nothing less than the best. And so in that ways, I'm a little selfish. Even when what he asks of me is incredibly confusing. Have you ever been in a space where you're connected with God and he asks you to do something that you're just like, that seems crazy. He asks you to go have a conversation with someone, it's like, that was weird. <laughs> he asked you to forgive. He asked you to go serve. He asked you to give money that you don't have. And it seems so incredibly odd that he would ask you that. But even in those moments when he asks me to engage in worship in a way that I would not prefer, it reminds me, oh, I am designed to be a living sacrifice right here and now. And to hold on to what we sang about this morning, that he is always good. And I don't know about you, but I want nothing less than goodness in my life. 
I want nothing less than that. Any other object of worship would be a waste of life. David was one of the more well-known worshipers in the scriptures. And he said it like this in Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and behold your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of food. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. See, when we lose sight of our purpose as being a worshiper, we forget that our life is just a vapor. That is one of the things that distracts us from recognizing that our life is here and gone. That we just have a few short minutes in this life, and then we end up spending way too much time at the feet of gods who uses us for purpose other than the beautiful life that we were meant to live. And it is a tragic life that chooses to bow down to the god of money or significance or personal fulfillment, or sex, or power, or career, or sports, or hobbies, or fears, or anxieties, or vacations, or camping trips, or bitterness, or little distractions, and in the end be left with nothing to show for it. See, the beautiful thing about choosing a life of worship focused on Jesus is that not only will you find your life that you will be satisfied and fulfilled. But he actually says that if you seek him first, if you are captivated by him above all things, he says that he will actually give you everything else back as well. He doesn't say like, hey, sacrifice yourself. I'll take everything and you get nothing back. He actually says, I will give you your life back and then all of these other things, they'll be added on to you. This is an abundance conversation. This is not a scarcity conversation that he invites us into when it comes to worshiping. And it's beautiful that he says, I will give you everything. Because here's the thing. Jesus always flips everything on its head. This is what's so exhilarating and confusing about following Jesus sometimes. He, because here's the thing. Anything else that you worship will ask for nothing up front. No down payment. And that's why it's so intriguing, actually, right? Because anything else we worship tells us, do what you want. Live, live your life. Whatever makes you happy, do it. There is no down payment. But in the end, it will demand everything from you. Jesus flips this equation that the world presents us on his head, and he says, hey, up front, I want everything. He says, give me everything up front. I want, I want your whole body. I want you to be a living sacrifice, all here and now. And so as we give him everything, what he says is, not only will I give you all of that back brought to life abundantly, but I will give you everything else. And it may not seem appealing in the moment. It may feel like a loss at the moment. In fact, it will probably feel like death in the moment. It may not be what you want. It may not feel good. It may not look logical. But in the end, he hands us our life back and he hands us, hands us everything back as well. See, because here's the thing, Jesus is not the only one who asks for a living sacrifice. Everything that you will worship will ask for a living sacrifice. Jesus is just the only one who will bring you back to life and then hand everything back in return. So the choice is yours. Sorry, you don't get the choice as to whether or not you will be a worshiper. That's just given. 
The question before you is, who will you choose to be captivated by? Who will you choose to worship? Who gets the living sacrifice of the beautiful gift that you are? See, when you choose Jesus, it's a choice for life. When you choose anything else, it is a decision to waste the vapor of this life that we have. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you have called us to worship, that you have created us as beings who are formed in your image to be captivated by your love, by, by your beauty, by your goodness, God, and may we find you greater than any other choice. God, forgive us of everything else that we have chosen to give our energy, our attention, our captivation to. And may you help us to recenter, to remind us that this life is just a vapor and it is so abundant and good and eternal all at the same time. And this morning, if you're here and you recognize, man, I have been captivated by something else other than Jesus, that you've been worshiping at the feet of a different God. Maybe, maybe you've never actually connected to Jesus. And this morning you're like, this sounds captivating. This sounds intriguing, the proposition that God himself would come for me, that he would die for me, and that if I chose him, that he would bring me back to life, and the cost is just me giving him everything to be captivated by the God of the eternal. If that's you this morning, and you're like, man, I've never connected to Jesus. Maybe you've recognized, I, oh, I, I connected him a long time ago. I have just been worshiping at the feet of some other God for a long time. Could be money, could be fear, could be yourself. I don't know. But this is an opportunity to, to turn back to him and to say, I choose to be captivated by you. I choose to worship you. So if that's you this morning, if you're online, you can just click that button that says, today I choose to follow Jesus. If you're here in this room and you recognize, I'm ready to be captivated by Jesus, would you just raise your hand? No one looking around. Awesome. You can put your hand down. I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Just pray, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that you came and you died for me. And you came back to life so that I might live. And so I offer you everything as a living sacrifice. I choose you today that I might live in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.